7 if you're looking at the book of Proverbs. Looking at verse 12, we're going to go through these verse by verse again and gain the wisdom that the authors are wanting us to understand from Solomon. Look with me at verse 12. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. So here's the point I want you to see. Those who are shrewd, those who are shrewd, avoid the dangers of life, whereas the simple do not see it. Those who are shrewd avoid the dangers of life, whereas the simple do not see it. Now, as I'm looking at and scanning this group of people here, everybody here, I believe, is over at least 29. Because I know all the ladies here are 29, right? Everybody here is over 29. By now, you have lived part of your life where you should be maturing in your focus on life to be aware that stuff happens in life. Bad things happen. And you should be maturing either through your experiences or whatever to be able to know that if you're going to progress in life, you've got to be aware of what's going on around you. You've got to be cautious. You can't be foolhardy. You can't be, as the Bible says here, simple. Because if you're simple, what does it say there? Look at verse 12. What does it say? If you're simple, the simple just pass on and what? And are punished. And, and, and what does it mean by punished there? I mean, life punishes them. They just go through it. In fact, you notice, and notice something now, as you get older, if you see an older person, it seems like problems are always there for them because of their silly mistakes and so forth. What do we normally say about a person like that? What do we say about a person like that who gets older and they seem to be making the same silly, dumb mistakes over and over again? They haven't learned anything. What do we say about a person like that? They're not going to change, okay? They're foolish. That's the word. Is that you know they're they're immature. They're foolish. Joyce said it right there. Because surely by now they should learn what? They should learn from their mistakes. They should learn that they need to be aware of what's going on around them, and be shrewd. Now notice something. The Bible is calling you and I here. Look at what it says here. The prudent man or the shrewd man foresees evil and hides himself. The Bible here, the Scripture, wisdom is calling for you and I to be prudent or shrewd. You need to be aware of what's going on. You just can't have a lollygagging attitude that life is always going to be the same way it is. Because let's be honest. Let's let's just go ahead. Wisdom will tell you this. Listen to what I'm saying. Life is hard. It's going to get harder. You're not promised anything. Here's one that we got to learn today. You're going to suffer. Christian, listen to me. You did not, when you came to Christ, get a promise that you weren't going to suffer. You're going to suffer. You're going to have things go wrong. And if you're going to dwell in the world and not allow things to happen to you Because of your mistakes, you need to be shrewd. Because stuff will happen to you anyhow without you being involved with it. Is that not true? I mean, think about it. You know, the other day I drove through, drove past the Pizza Hut and the Quick Fill there. And right there on that corner is where those three houses used to be 
And those folks went to bed that night, what, went to bed thinking, oh, wonder what the next day is going to hold. You know, don't want to get up to work. And in the middle of the night, some guy loses his brakes, takes out three houses with his semi. So some stuff is out of your control. What it's talking about here is you being shrewd concerning the stuff that you do have control about. Being wise. Being wise. Because if you're not, how does the Bible describe you again? Simple. Foolish. Okay. Let's go on now. Look at the issue of obligation. And in fact, this verse talks about financial obligation. Look at verse 13. Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductress. So here's the point. People must be held to their obligations no matter how foolishly they are made. Here's the point. Here's what he's saying. Let's say Mike borrows some money from me. Proverbs, Solomon is telling me that I need to take something from him in collateral. I need to make sure that I take something from him for collateral. Now, here's the reason why Proverbs tells me to do that. Because when it says this, notice what it says. Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductor. Let's say that Mike has involved himself in habits that are not good. He's borrowing money from me, but he's also has an obligation to, and in the Bible here, it's an adulteress. It could be a gambling habit, though. What we don't know is is Mike runs up to the casino in Buffalo every every week. Janice just lives with it, but she's not saying anything. (laughs) Rod says she, the son says she drives them. Okay. So, but, so, now here I am, I gave him money. But the implication of the verse is that he's not doing right with the money. He's he's owing other people money. So for me, the right thing for me to do is, is, okay, yeah, what are you going to give me in return? Take the cloak, so to speak. Take his shirt off his back. Because, why? Because I may not get anything. See, I may not get anything. Now, here's the point of the proverb. The proverb is telling you to be wise about who you give money to. And then here's what it's also saying. People must be held to their obligations. So if you're going to, just don't hand out money to people. Just don't hand out money and say, oh, here, here, here Rod, here's, here's 20. Get it back to me whenever. Because now here's what happens. Rod thinks, well, I can get it back to church whenever. That, that might be 20, 25. Now here's what happens to me. I face something and I need 20. But I, I, I'm not going to say anything to Rod. Rod comes around and he may be asked for another 20. What starts happening inside of me? You said it, Bruce. I start hating Rod. I start getting angry. What do you mean, Rod? What are you going to give another 20? You've got 20 from me already. Now, in Rod's mind, he's thinking, well, he said I can pay it back whenever. 2025. You know? See, the point is, is you've got to hold people to their obligation no matter how foolishly they're made. You've got to hold people to their obligation. So, Bruce comes and borrows money from me. I say, okay, well, Bruce, let me have your Madden game. 
See, well, he borrowed from me. Do you know what I'm saying? You see my point? You know, Rod comes and I say, well, yeah, Rod, that new gun, I'll hold it as collateral. Yes, I'll get my 20 back back. You see my point? That's the whole point Proverbs is making here. Look, you've got to hold people to their obligations because, listen, a lot of times, here's the point, people who are asking you for money are more than likely people who don't know how to what? Handle it. When you hold somebody to their obligation, when you say, hey, Bruce, I want that Madden game, you're going to teach him that there's a price to be paid for what? Taking money. But just handing out money, you're not... And say, well, because we love them. You're not loving them when you're doing that. Let me just be honest with you. You're not loving them. You're condemning them. Because what happens when you die? Yeah, what happens when you die? They don't know how to live either. That's, did you hear what, uh, did you hear what she said? They don't know how to live either. They don't know how to live either. See, here's my point. This is what you've got to understand. There's wisdom there. We've got to think through stuff. Let's go on. The issue of speech, verse 14. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it will be counted a curse to him. Okay, here's the point. Loud and untimely greetings are not appreciated. In fact, there's some wisdom here. Look at what Solomon is saying. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning. Now, in the early in the morning, how would you like your spouse to look over at you when the alarm clock, Good morning! How would you do? I can already tell you what Lori would do. She'd punch me. Because she's not a morning person. How many morning people we have here? I'm a morning person. How many of you are not morning people? Isn't that amazing? Some are, some aren't. And you learn this when you're a husband, right? Or a, a wife. You morning people leave the non-morning person alone. And this is the point that it's talking about. You know, when, when loud and untimely greetings are not appreciated. There's some wisdom there. Okay, let's look at the issue of family. Look at verse 15 and 16. Okay, let me just stop before I read these verses. Again, Solomon is talking about a woman here, but we're going to get the principle and make it for all spouses. All right, look here what he says. A continual dripping on a very rainy day and a contentious woman are alike. He who restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. Now, okay, here's the point. Here's the point. A quarrelsome spouse, a quarrelsome mate is an unbearable irritant. A quarrelsome mate is an unbearable irritant. That's the whole point that he's making here. Guys can, can relate to this. Because one of the things that guys, I'm a guy, so I'll just go ahead and say it. One of the things that irritates men is what they call, what is it guys? Nagging. And here's the point. That may be true, but they're doing it because they're sick of the nagging. (laughs) Okay. All right. All right. But here's the point. Okay. Listen to what the Word of God says. 
It's like the continual dripping on a very rainy day. And a contentious woman are alike. So here's the thing, though. Okay, yeah, so you're going to do that. You're going to get your husband to do his thing. All right? But he's doing it because he's sick of being mad at He just wants you to leave him alone. So he'll do that rather than do it because he loves you. Rather than because he's committed to you. You know? And that's, that's the whole point. That's something to think about there. See, Solomon's making a good point here. Because notice what he goes on there. Here's the next point he's making. And it's Solomon who's saying this. A quarrelsome mate is uncontrollable. Here's what he's saying. You've got a woman, I'll use the woman because that's the illustration that he's using. You've got a woman who's nagging. She's like the constant drip on a rainy day. My wife gets irritated because right outside our bedroom window is, is a drain that goes right, and it's like drip, 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 and it just keeps her awake. You know how irritating that is? You know, you're trying to get some sleep, and the gutter, there's just like the gurgling sound and the drip, 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 drip. It's just irritating. That's what the whole point he's making here. So then he says, the person who tries to restrain that person is like trying to control the wind. How many of you can control the wind? How many of you, we to take cooking oil here, pour it into your hand, are able to grab a hold of it? Can you grab a hold of cooking oil? See, that's the illustration here. So, a cross and made is uncontrollable. Now, okay, now listen. Okay, so you say, okay. We've laughed a little bit. Alright? You're saying it works. It works. Right. But what's the price? So what do you mean? What's the price to be paid in the marriage? But, okay, yeah, it gives the devil a foothold with the anger issue. Okay, that's good, Tim. But do you understand there's a price to be paid? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? I mean, we can laugh about it and say, oh, it works. Oh, it works. But what's the price in the long run? most common thing happens with men today with the issue of affairs is home life is not happy. So they find happiness in workplace. Somebody else is treating them better than they're being treated at home. So guess what happens? Affairs. Devastation. Destruction. See, there's a price to be paid. It works. And ladies, I'm not just picking on you. Guys, it works. You could be nagging your wife about stuff. Guys could be a constant drip too, right? Yeah, okay. All right. But you see my point. The point is, there's a point to the proverb. The point to the proverb is, think about how you are with your spouse. Think about how you are with your spouse. Because you could create a problem. That's the whole problem. And, in fact, the Proverbs implication here is you are the problem if you're doing that. You are the problem, men and women. All right, let's go on. The issue of criticism, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Now, we've heard this scripture before a lot of times with guys. Here's the thing. Constructive criticism between friends develops character. You know, I have some key men in my life that can come to me 
and they can say to me, you know, George, you're wrong in this area. But George, I don't like the way you were interacting with your son or your daughter. Or George, I don't like your attitude about this issue. Or George, and, and, and they can come to me because I have a friendship with him and there's a bond there, a love. And when they come to me and they say those kind of things to me, I don't just blow them off. I listen. I listen. Because it, I, I, everybody needs to be taken to the woodshed, don't we? And, and this is the point where it says about iron sharpening iron. Now, I mean, think about it. I think some guys here recognize what we're talking about. When you talk about, like, I gotta grind a bench grinder, and you put a piece of metal on a bench grinder, what does it do? Yeah, it grinds away the surface. Now, it's, it's something rough grinding on that steel. It's something rough grinding on the steel. And because of that, something rough is going to smooth out and give the edge that's needed there. So sometimes something rough is needed for what? For us to be who we need to be in our character. And see, that's the whole point. Constructive criticism between friends develops character. So if you've got a friend who's coming to you and they're pointing out something to you, don't blow them off. The fact that they're coming to you is a what? An act of love. Unless, of course, they're one of those friends who's, who's always belittling. Then they're not really a friend, are they? Because some of you may have friends who are always belittling you. Then just blow them off. Because they have, maybe they're putting you down to lift themselves up. But the whole point is constructive criticism develops character. Let's go on now. The issue of rewards. Look at verse 18. Whoever keeps the fig tree will eat its fruit, but, who, but he who waits on his master will be honored. Here's the point. Those who faithfully serve will be rewarded in kind. Those who faithfully serve will be rewarded in kind. So he's basically giving a parallelism here. If you have a fig tree, if you own the fig tree, you're going to benefit in season from the fruit of the fig tree. So like, for instance, right now, in my backyard, my eyes know this very well, my pear tree is blooming. And it's a winter pear tree. So come about September, October, it's going to be bearing what? Fruit. It looks like it's going to be, because the buds haven't frozen off, it looks like I'm going to have a lot of pears, which means I'm going to have a lot of deer in my yard. So in season, you'll be rewarded. I'll be rewarded with pears. It's the same thing. If you faithfully serve your master, he's saying, in season, you will be what? Honored. Honored. That's the whole point that he's making there. Okay, look at the issue of character again. And look with me at verse 19. As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. So here's the point. Thoughts reflect one's true character. Thoughts reflect one's true character. That's the point I want you to see here. Thoughts reflect your character. You want to know who you really are? What are you thinking about? That's what he's saying here. When he's talking about your heart, it's not talking about that pulmonary instrument that's in the middle of your chest pumping away. Who you are is your inner being, your thoughts. Who you are on the essence, on the inside. 
And that's who you are. In fact, remember, Jesus would say something like this. Out of the abundance of the heart, what? Man speaks. It's your thoughts. It's your consciousness. So, for instance, what you think about is who you are. Now, that's a scary thing, isn't it? Because what does the Bible describe as being in all of us on the inside? Every one of us here. Nobody's exempt. What does the Bible describe about us? Yeah, our sin. Our wickedness. It describes us as being wicked. That our thoughts are continually evil. For some of you, when I said that, you're thinking, oh no, I'm doomed. Because you have evil thoughts. Well, can I be honest with you? Yeah, you and everybody else here. That's the Bible. And so there's a whole point here. It reveals your true character. And our true character is one that is in need of Jesus Christ. That's the whole point here. One that is in need of Jesus Christ. Look now at verse 20, the issue of desires. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of men are never satisfied. Here's the point. The desires of men are as insatiable as death and destruction. That the desires of men are insatiable as death and destruction. So here's my point. Will we ever be content? No, not here. That's right, Bruce. Not here. You and I are never going to be content. So, so when you hear somebody, oh, honey, I just need this new tool. If I get this new tool, I'll be okay. I'll not need another tool again. A liar, yeah. You know, honey, I just need this dress. If I have that dress, I'll be okay. Everything will be okay, honey. Everything will be wonderful. Wrong, unless you're going to wear it every week. Do you see my point? There's, it's insatiable. Desires are insatiable. And let me be honest with you. You and I need to know this verse. Because advertisers know this verse. Advertisers know this verse. Walmart knows this verse. There's a reason why they set up the aisles the way they set them up. You know, it's right when you walk in the door. They're stuck there. You know? Right when you check out. Candy bars. Yeah, impulse. That's exactly impulse items. Impulse items. Because, in fact, I heard, you know, they were giving some advice on going to the grocery store these days with all the rising costs. And they said, quit the impulse buying because 40% of what you buy is impulse buying. Just go in with your list. Buy what's on your list. Don't buy anything else but what's on your list because 40% of what you buy is impulse buying. Why? Because the guy knows how to appeal to your what? Desires. I do what happens to me all the time. I buy a McDonald's. I got a craving. I didn't have the craving before. That's the whole point here. That's the whole point here. That's what I want you to see. The desires of men... The desires of men are insatiable as death and destruction. Verse 21. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, 
And a man is valued by what others say of him. Here's the point I want you to see concerning character. Praise tests a person. Excuse me. Praise tests a person in that his reaction to it shows what he is really like. For instance, how a person responds to accolades, how a person responds to praise will reveal who they really are. So, for instance, I go to Bruce and I say, oh, Bruce, you're a great guy. You know, Bruce can act in one of two ways. He can either be humble and say, man, just, just forget it. Or Bruce can say, oh, oh, just stop. Stop. Yeah, you know, what's that? Yeah, it's about time I did. You know, yeah, it's about time. Just, see, that reveals who he is, doesn't it? How a person handles praise. Oh, just stop. Tell me more. Stop, stop, you know. And, and and people actually will, and you'll see this in a church. Let's just stop for a moment. Let's put it to application right here in the church. I hope this doesn't happen in our church, but it happens in a lot of churches, where you will have people who will do service and do stuff for the simple fact of being what? Recognized. I know pastors who are like that. I know pastors who are like that. They get involved and they do stuff in the community and they're always heading up some new project or whatever for what it will do for them. Them. How they look in the middle of it. And that's the point I want you to see is how you react to praise really says a lot about who you are. Who you are. And so that's the whole point I want you to see there. Okay, let's, let's go on. We'll do this last one and then we'll take the other half next week. We're at number 47 there. We're looking at verse 22 of chapter 27. Though you grind a fool in a mortar and a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. So here it's talking about the fool and folly. Folly cannot be removed by force. Foolishness and a foolish person is not going to become wise because you are going to be forceful with him and be him. You understand? That's the whole point he's making there. So that maybe will give you some thoughts because some of you want to react against a fool and like, get his attention! You're wasting your time. Because remember, what is it, overall, we've been looking through the Proverbs over these last few weeks, the one key word describes the fool. He is what? Unteachable. So no matter what method of teaching, he's not going to learn. He's not going to learn. Some of you are managers here. Some of you head up over people. And maybe you've had some people who work for you who were what? Just plain foolish. And you have beat your head against the wall trying to get them to do it. And you've learned the lesson. You can't do it. The best thing to do is just wait until they leave. Because he says you can't fire anybody. You know, or you got to have a really good reason. And so that's the whole point. Force can't uh, remove folly. Folly can't be removed by force. Okay, next week we'll look at the last half of this section. Let's close our time in prayer.